Hey y'all, this is Austin Bishop, and you're streaming the Melodies and Memories podcast with Jillian and Aaron Schreiber. Welcome to the Melodies and Memories podcast with Jillian and Aaron Schreiber, brought to you by Arlo Revolution. Each week, they connect melodies and memories with bands and singer-songwriters from all genres of life. When all else in life is gone, music will be left to leave the legacy of life's adventures. Please welcome your hosts of the Melodies and Memories podcast, Jillian and Aaron Schreiber. Hello and welcome everyone to Season 6 of the Melodies and Memories Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Shriver. And I'm your co-host, Jillian Shriver. Our mission tonight is to provide a platform for motivated singer-songwriters, passionate fans, or someone who is making or made a difference in and around the music community. We hope everyone leaves listening leaves inspired with a positive outlook and begins connecting their own melodies to memories. Tonight we are presented by our good friends at Arlo Revolution, cinematic wedding films, music videos, and promos. Find them at ArloRevolution.com. And One Tree Planted. For every 1,000 downloads of the show, we plant a tree with One Tree Planted. Download the show on your favorite podcast app today. And last but not least, Poddex. Poddex are the hottest tool to get your next great interview, unique interview questions in the palm of your hand. Our, our two on-screen sponsors tonight is Art on a Higher Wire by Joel. Original and custom artwork inspired by your life moments, treasure photos, and memories. And Shed Services. At Shed Services, we offer a full range of maintenance services depending on your needs. Find them at ShedServices.com. If you're looking for ways to support or sponsor Melodies and Memories, then please head over to our Patreon page. Tiers start at just $1. If Patreon is something you can't do, the next best way to support the show is to like, share, review, and subscribe. Remember, you can join us every Monday night at 7 p.m. Central on Facebook and YouTube where you can interact with the show. And sometimes we do a little one-offs like 11 o'clock Eastern time, which we're really <laughs> excited for today. So... Well, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and introduce today's guest. We welcome on Denny Magruder for episode 143. Since 1986, Denny has been the executive director right here at the West Banco Arena, the place that started it all for me. I've always looked up to my uncle as a role model. Heck, he's the inspiration behind the reason why I'm doing what I love to do today, which is working around music. He is one of the hardest working and most dedicated humans I've ever met. On his last day, we are lucky and honored to discuss the melodies and memories that make up his incredible journey. We're glad to bring my uncle on. Woo. All right. There he is, everybody. Welcome on to the show. Thank you for joining us so well, much. We are so excited for this. Thank you for having me, Aaron. <laughs> so we like to start it off the same way every week with our guests, we want to know kind of like what was playing around your household music-wise. Growing up, what were you listening to? My mom kind of told me a story that I want to bring up too that you used to go to a store and buy some 45s off a jukebox and she was was able to overhear these. I can't say that I listened to an awful lot of music growing up because I was probably out of the house most of the time. (laughs) Uh, My first love wasn't managing arenas. No. My first love was playing baseball so I kind of lived at the ball fields as a as a teenager, but when I was home at night, uh, yeah, I used to pop on the transistor radio and, and listen to the 45s at that day. And it was, uh, it's what we call doo-wop today, you know, yeah. uh, the Connie Francis, the Bobby Vinton, the Elvis Presley's, uh, the Everly brothers. There were so many great ones. So, uh, yeah, that, that's the music I guess I listened to when I listened to it. So before you came here, did you go to any concerts at all? We always like to ask people about their first concert experience. Yeah, I did a few concerts. I, I wasn't a big concert guy. Most of the concerts I went to uh, were actually at Ogilvy Park here in Wheeling. Okay. They used to do a summer concert series. And uh, 
Uh, I don't remember all of them, but one of the significant ones in the day was Johnny Mathis. Uh, was a great show. Uh, I've been to a couple concerts at Pittsburgh uh, years ago, but most of the concerts I've seen are pretty much here. Or uh, I, I like to visit other theaters now just to see yeah. what's going on. So, yeah. That was something when I used to work at a, a theater back home for a while. And I now when I walk into places like the Capitol Theater, the Genesee Theater in Waukegan, I just I love seeing just these old these old Victorian theaters. It's just beautiful. And I know the Capitol is just another one on that list up the road here. So what finally brought you to where we sit today? We are actually doing the show live at the West Banco Arena, which I call it still the Wheeling Civic Center. And it's been that do. way since, uh, was it 1977? It opened in April 1977, yes. Okay. Yes. And then, so what brought you finally here in 1986, nine years later? Well, my, my route, Aaron, was a little circuitous because uh, one of my early jobs, my, my background's accounting and finance, and, and, and that's where I worked. Uh, but I worked for the city of Wheeling and I was working in finance. And, uh, when this building was a dream in the early seventies, is the time I went to work for the city in 1972. This building was in the pimple stages, the planning stages in 1972. And I got the pleasure of working on the bond issue and hearing about the excitement. Uh, got to meet with architects and be part of the, part of the team that built this place. Yeah. And so the, you know, th- there was a, there was an early love and an early interest. At that point, the first manager, he was hired to come to Wheeling, Frank Rodriguez. Uh, Frank came here uh, right before construction began so that he could oversee it. Mm-hmm. And, and I got to know Frank and meet Frank, and he had some experience in the entertainment business. And, and he asked me, he said, listen, I, I know the entertainment business. I don't know the accounting world. So would you be willing to design an accounting system for me? <laughs> and I'm proud to say that, that that basic system is still in place today. So... You know, I, I just was around the building in its, in its infancy. Uh, I did the accounting work for, uh, for Frank uh, those first several years. And after I left the city, I went to work for an accounting firm and then moved on to, uh, I was a comptroller business manager of a pretty large school district. Uh, but then one day I got a call from the, from the board, the chairman of the board, who was a guy that I knew very well, and he wanted me to take this job. And uh, I thought he was crazy. You, you and, told him no. And, and here I am today. Did you, know. you tell him no at first? I, I did tell him no because I, <laughs> you know, this industry was not on my radar. I, I, I had dreamt that I was going to continue in the accounting industry. Uh, but when the opportunity came and I, and I thought about it and uh, I, I just had such admiration for several of the board members at that time. And, and I guess maybe I was flattered that they were interested in me. Yeah. And I said, you know what? Uh, this might be a chance. And, it, and it's turned into a, a, a real chance. It's something I've just loved. So in no 86, you're doing about 20 to 30 concerts a year. What kind of bands were you bringing in here uh, in the 80s, in the mid-80s? Listen, then? anybody, Aaron, who was anybody in, in classic rock in that day, uh, the Doobie Brothers, Poison, uh, Sticks, uh, REO, uh, you name it, they, they were here. I mean, uh, Heart, uh, you know, uh, ELO, Electric Light Orchestra. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, the, the names, we, we were actually doing, as you just said, 20 to 28 concerts a year uh, from actually late 1986 until 1990. And then uh, entertainment changed in America because basically that's when the amphitheaters, they were, they were born shortly before that, but that's when they bloomed. Mm-hmm. And there was a brand new amphitheater just up the road here in Pennsylvania on the border uh, by the name of Star Lake. And that changed the touring industry. So 
many of those rock bands started to move that direction. So that's where I saw my second concert. My first concert was here, but my second concert had to be Hootie and the Blowfish at uh, Star Lake because once my mom found out about my first concert here, she's like, "Yeah, no more of those for a little bit." Which we'll talk about. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But <laughs> so uh, we went yep. up to Star Lake for Hootie. I still remember that. It was a good time. It's a great venue. Yeah. So coming through, and we'll, we'll, we'll get into kind of 97 right now. And in 97, you had two controversial shows here. One of them I, was my first show I got to take a part of. But you had Marilyn Manson in February. How was kind of coming in with a tour that I know when, when Kiss came here in 97, you guys had protesters out. Did you have the same for, for Marilyn Manson? Well, quite honestly, Aaron, uh, Manson was the hotly contested show because at, at that time, uh, Marilyn was a national item. He was being featured on CNN and all, yep. and, and he was a controversial figure, as you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, most people thought he was the, the, the epitome of Satanism yeah. and some other kind of strange things. And, and, and the onstage behavior was weird. Uh, so when, when Manson, uh, when the actual promoter was Belkin Productions out of Cleveland, a major promoter of the day, uh, Belkin booked, uh, Marilyn Manson here in this building. And to be honest with you, uh, Again, it was at the height of the controversy. Look, I think you guys know a little bit about Wheeling. This was a very conservative town, a Christian conservative town. So it, it was really a, a controversial thing. And, and once it was announced here, uh, quite honestly, uh, I got a call the first day that it went on sale. They advertised the show. I got a call about an hour after the show went on sale uh, from some very dear friends in the media saying they were pulling the ads. They couldn't run this anymore. But here, here's the irony. One of the major radio networks who had planned a very aggressive ad schedule, after two ads, they canceled the schedule. But for the next three weeks until the show, uh, they, co- they continued to talk about Marilyn Manson every hour on the news. <laughs> <laughs> and so Marilyn Manson sold out without incident mm-hmm. at, at, with the smallest ad budget I think that's ever been spent. <laughs> that's what they say. Even bad press is still good press uh, because it still puts it out there. But but the other thing, uh, the show, while, while the show, it's not a show I'd send my kids to or let yeah. my nephew go to. <laughs> but No, my dad waited until a month later. <laughs> but in, in all honesty, uh, they were very nice, friendly uh, people. They were, they were very mannerly, which led me to believe that, you know, this is the entertainment industry. I think a lot of the, a lot of the shtick, the front, was to sell tickets. Mm-hmm. I, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, I I don't believe that Marilyn and his and his band are satanists. I yeah. I saw the thing here. Interesting for us though, we got a call the week before CNN. CNN really, you know, they jumped on this because here's here's a national news agency uh, with the most controversial entertainer appearing in one of the most conservative towns, and so they came here and set up shop for a couple of days. Wow. Uh, they wanted to get the vibes from the community. They visited the schools. Uh, the show happened to be on a Saturday, so on Friday they were out talking to a, a lot of the schools, getting their opinions and, and interviewing people on the street. And then they had arranged with us and with Marilyn's agent to do a one-hour live interview from the dressing room here on day of show. So, you know, the show was a Saturday evening at 4 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. Marilyn was live on CNN. And uh, then on Sunday, of course on Sunday, uh, the camera crews and the news crews stayed around and they visited some of the churches to get their <laughs> feedback. And they had and, to go for themselves. <laughs> there, was a, there was an actual, there, there was then a one hour special that showed a couple different times on CNN. And, and I think, uh, it depicted wheeling pretty well. Now there were, there were tons of demonstrators out here. Yeah. Because again, you know, when controversy happens, you get demonstrations out front. They were all peaceful. Uh, 
you know, it was kind of like the, the Christians versus the Lions at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the show went off without a hitch. There were no problems. The show was sold out. All the players, including the arena, made money. Uh, a lot of people said to me, well, what, what about this? Why would you book Marilyn Manson? And here's the thing. You know, yet today I manage a public venue. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have the privilege to pick and choose who comes here. Well, if you picked all your favorite artists, not everybody's going to want to come and see. Not everybody has your same you taste. I have a variety. Yeah. Yep. Completely inappropriate for me to decide who plays here. So, mm-hmm. if, you know, if any group, any organization, any band, any group, if, if what they do is legal, it's not in, in a violation of the law, uh, they pay their bills, they sign a contract, they'll get to appear here. That's, yep. that's why we have public venues and freedom of speech and yep. freedom of performance. So th- that, that was probably the most contested show that we've ever done. Now, you mentioned the Kiss show. Yeah. The Kiss show just happened to be shortly after the Marilyn Manson show. It was the show. next month. And so it was a carryover by some of the demonstrators. I don't think the demonstrators at all were really demonstrating against Kiss in spite of, again, they depicted themselves to do things that were uh, kind of inhumane and unreasonable. And I can assure you that didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. You were here one of those yeah. kids. I don't know if it, well, that night. I'm showing the ticket stub on the screen right now. Okay. It was March 27th, 1997. That was my very first concert. And I, I think it was an excellent concert. The, it was sold out again. Uh, the band had a great time. All of the attendees had a great time. And it was just, it was a heyday of music here at the arena. And yeah. it's something we look back on and say, hey, it was a great night. <laughs> it was a very great night. Great night. <laughs> so, so I don't even know if I've ever shared the entire story with you. So I, I've shared my, with my dad and a couple other people. I, 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 this is my take on March 27, 1997. I got here and we were in my uncle's office, which is not too far from where we're sitting right now. And he goes, hey, doors are getting ready to open. Anywhere you want to go, you were, just you were go. 15, I was 15 right? years 15, old. I was yeah. 15 years old in 1997. <laughs> He's like, doors are getting ready to go open. Wherever you go want to go, spot. go find a spot. <laughs> I went front row, dead center, and sat down. <laughs> and I'm sitting there on the floor. Next thing I hear, like really loud, this, this, I turn around and doors must have opened. This rush of people was just coming. I grabbed that barricade. And some, I think my dad told me that you, you told some of the security guards up front that that's my nephew. If anything happens to him, it's your <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, in those days, it was the, uh, it was the heyday of what we called festival seating. So the yeah. floor, as you know, you were wide here. Open pit, yeah. the, the floor's wide open. It's, it's a pit, uh, eventually turned into mosh pits and other things. The one thing that we did just a little different here, though, uh, if, if, Way back in the 80s in Cincinnati, there was a problem with the festival floor where the stage was stormed and uh, unfortunately several young folks died. Mm. So we learned some lessons from that. And what we tried to do was station guards and obstacles because, yeah, the habit was the doors open. Everybody tries to sprint directly yeah. to, the, to, the, yeah. to the wall. So we did have some interruptions. So that some of that you heard was, was, was kind of broken up. <laughs> Uh, again, I, I'd have to say that our security company of the day, McKean Security, yeah. uh, became very adept at handling uh, those festival seat crowds. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm proud to tell you that uh, I'm not going to say that we never had any uh, treatment in our triage center because yeah. we always had them set up. Uh, but we didn't have very many. And we had no deaths. We had none of that kind of thing. We had no serious injuries. Uh, you always have some problems with, with people needed to be treated. When you got 10,000 people, uh, in, in a crazy night where they're all just partying, uh, some things do happen. And so that, that's true today in all the entertainment venues. But I can tell you that the industry has trained us very well and has prepared us, uh, 
the professional association that I've been uh, very involved in, phenomenal organization, has done exceptional training and preparation and came up with some state-of-the-art standards and procedures. And uh, I, I think it helps assure that the entertainment industry remains remains safe. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I'm kind of proud of that. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I was, yeah, that night was, they kept me safe that night for sure. I remember I still have, uh, I have a $5 bill that's covered in blood because Jane Simmons always well, puts fake the, blood. the fake blood and <laughs> yep. flew straight above me. And I looked down, I have all this red stuff on my hand. The only thing I had was a $5 bill and I'm wiping it all over the $5 bill, <laughs> putting it back. Paul Stanley ended up spit, spitting a guitar pick at me, which I caught. Well, there's this 21-year-old girl next to me because she was consuming all night, and it was during Beth. He came out and threw out roses. I caught a rose and gave it to her. She looks at me, and she's like, have you ever kissed a girl before? I said, no. <laughs> and she's like, how about your first kiss at a kiss concert? I said, yes. <laughs> that sounded pretty good, huh? Yeah. yeah <laughs> all right. It, it was really good that night. So, but I still remember walking back in your office. I had the fake blood in my hair. The confetti stuck to me. I think I had a little bit of a bruise from the railing. And my dad looked at me. He goes, so how was I? I said, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> the best night of my life. Right? And I'll never forget that night. And just that memory, because it honestly, it's, it gave me what the love for concerts. Like I felt the energy being that close as a band that 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 I've actually taken now mm. to, to tell you this. I don't know if you have have you known this yet. Jackson and Avery are kids. Their very first concerts both were Kiss. No kidding. Wow. Yeah. It's a family tradition. Because, it sounds yeah. like, right? because of that, yeah. because of March 27, 1997, family tradition started and we took the boys. Their first show is Kiss. Certainly but, a big night. Yeah. Now, another big night I had here, which I don't have the actual picture, but this is probably nine or 10 year old me that I'm showing on the screen. And I got to meet Hulk Hogan for the first time. I showed up here at the Wheeling Civic Center standing outside of a line that looked somewhat like that. And those were lines that you had. They were typical lines door. of the day. Yeah. <laughs> So, but, and that was the night I got to learn that wrestling was actually a gimmick because we just got done watching. I think it was like Greg the Hammer Valentine, the Mountie, go after it. We're backstage, the nasty boys is up staring my mom. <laughs> but there's Greg the Hammer Valentine and uh, the Mountie drinking a beer together right after their match. I was just like, now I get it. I get it. <laughs> it's entertainment. And it, it, it yeah. is entertainment. Uh, and, and sometimes at its finest, the WWE, they still attract, attract large crowds. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're on sale here right now for a yeah. date on, I believe it's December 10. Uh, they, they've been a staple. Now, here's what I can tell you. I, I have met over the years. Obviously, we've done a lot of television with them. Uh, uh, the, the, the vice president at the time, Ed Cohen has been to my home, sat in with, with your cousins. And, uh, I think at first they, ca- they came in, they said, Oh, dad, come on. This is crazy. Classy, classy Freddie Blassie, who's a, wow. who's a big name, sat in yeah. our living room one night for three hours and shared yeah. stories and emotions. And, wow. and, and what I learned that night with my kids was that these are phenomenal human beings. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're great at what they do. I would say to you, Aaron, that over the years, you've seen them. I've watched them. They've been here many times. Yeah. They're phenomenal athletes. Yep. Now, what, what they do, look, let's, let's be honest. It's a performance. Sometimes it gets out of control. <laughs> Excuse me. I've seen some pretty heavy injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've transported wrestlers to the hospital. But uh, it's, a, it's a great event. It's entertainment. It's best. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love it, and honestly, I still watch it to this day every now and then with my kids. Uh, they'll get into it, we'll watch it, and like that, that just knowing that, I was just like, you know what? I love it, and it made me appreciate it more then because it's like it an was. art almost. It is an art. Mm-hmm. It is well, an art. A very dear friend of mine who's now passed away, uh, Dr. Joe Villietta, he was a principal at Wheeling Central, 
once said to me that WWE wrestling is a modern day Christian morality play. It's good versus evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And good almost always wins. And yeah, yeah. I, that may have changed a little bit as we move into 2020 and later, yeah. but but that's been a case. I mean, it's again, I, I don't know how many uh, WWE shows we've hosted. I'm sure that during my tenure here, it's uh, uh, it's probably 70 or 80. Yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah. There was a time we were doing four shows a year, and uh, there was one year that we had Hulk Hogan. Uh, that year, more times than any building in the country, wow. including Staples Arena or Madison Square Garden. Yes. Wow. So it, it's just the way the cards worked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really good. Uh, again, uh, those are things I'll look back and remember. I, I've met Mr. McMahon, uh, y- your cousin Jennifer and, and, and Barb, your Aunt Barb and I sat in Vince's office in, in uh, Connecticut. In, right? in Connecticut. Really? Uh, and, and, and we, we visited their studios many years ago. We were just passing through and my friend Ed wanted us to stop. And I was utterly amazed because, you know, I'd also been to the CNN studios on tours. The WWE studios were more sophisticated in that day <laughs> than CNN, believe uh, it or not. I, I believe love it. That. I so, believe it. So you was, mentioned 2020. Were you worried at all when all everything started shutting down? You, you acquired the capital, not, not, not long before that, but you had the capital and the West Bank. So you're, you're directing two arena, or arena and a theater at the time. Um, yeah, we actually acquired the theater and, and it had been closed for a couple of years in 2009. But in 2020 come when I, I guess that was probably the low point of uh, the entertainment industry and maybe my career because, you know, the world crashed. Let's just be mm-hmm. honest. Not, not just in the entertainment business, but in the airlines and medical care, uh, industries basically shut down and, uh, it was a crash. And uh, when you wake up and say, you know, here's the thing. We're a tremendous family here. That's something we're proud of. Yeah. And a lot of our employees had kids and families. And now all of a sudden, we have no events, no income whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that, that, that was a tough time because we closed in March suddenly of 2020. Yeah. And then in our case, we didn't get to do anything again until... Uh, we were lucky in that we started back up in the in December of 2020. The East Coast Hockey League, which the Nailers are a member, yeah. mm-hmm. decided that they were going to help lead the way back yeah. to life. And so That's 13 great. of the 26 teams in the East Coast Hockey League decided to play. And so, but we were closed fully, totally for nine months and suffered those effects for close to two years. Yeah. We were fortunate in that we were able to attain a PPP loan to bring our employees back to work. Our employees were laid off for 12 weeks. Nice. We got a PPP loan. <coughs> and then uh, Governor Justice helped out all the buildings in West Virginia with a little bit of a grant. Nice. And then we got a major SO, SVOG grant, which is a sheltered venue in National. So we were lucky, but it was a tough time. Yeah. And speaking of the Nailers, this hat I've worn for 142 shows. And it's kind of like my tribute to to this building and to this place. And that's uh, one of the hockey teams that we were just talking about that plays here. So if you guys have ever wondered what the logo of this hat has been watching these shows, uh, it's kind of sitting right here behind us. Uh, Joe, is this Joe Naylor sitting here too? <laughs> well, the Wheeling so, Naylor's now, it, that, again, that's part of, uh, that's a big part of my career. They've now been here for 31 years. Jeez. Yeah, so, yeah. so impressive. <laughs> so impressive. Hi. <laughs> 
<laughs> so a couple of questions I want to bring up, mainly because I, I know my last name's Shriver, but I feel like I have a lot of Magruder in me. Oh, you better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, something that I get from you guys, I feel, is dedication. Now, has there ever been a time over the last 36 years where that dedication just kind of want to make you walk away, but it brought you back in? Because when I, when I get dedicated to something, I, I see through it, but... I, has there ever been a time when you just want to say, I, I'm done now? I, I can't say I've ever wanted to walk away. And I mentioned to you earlier, I, I cannot remember a morning when I woke up trying to find an excuse not to go to work. And I, yeah. and I guess maybe that's, that's, that's a blessing. That's a blessing I've had, and, and, I, and I think I inherited Aaron. I think you're right. I think part of that's a family trait. <laughs> I'm so proud of my kids because all three of my kids and now my grandkids are exceedingly hard workers. They're very dedicated. They're very focused. Uh, sometimes it could be a curse. To, <laughs> but, to a fault, right? But basically... It, That's it, my next question. <laughs> it, it, it's a blessing. And, and it's something I'm sure you inherited. You, you've watched yeah. your mom and dad... Uh, do the same thing. They yep. know what's important in life. Well, I've seen how dedicated my mom was like to my grandfather and to her job and everything in her life. And that's why I, I've known that's been a Magruder trade. And that's why I've, I, why 36 years here has just been is impressive. Four decades uh, in this building. And that's why I, everybody always has those days where there's like, okay, I got to go. But to have you say that I've never found an excuse or never looked for an excuse not mm -hmm. to come to work, it means and speaks volumes. You truly don't. Now, but now ha having said that, I need to be dead honest with you. I work with the most marvelous people in the world. Uh, you know, I, I've got some folks here that uh, Sonia Fedorico, Doug Campbell, both been with me more than 25 years. Uh, they're like brother and sister, you mm -hmm. know. Uh, so that makes it different, too. Now. Having said that, I got a lot of other people that, that work here that, that, that I dearly love. Uh, I've worked with the best people in the world. And even though this is West Banco Arena in Wheeling, West Virginia, and we know we're not Staples Arena and we're not Madison Square Garden, I'll put our team up against any in the country. Mm -hmm. In terms of uh, their, their job performance, and in terms of building conversions, because here in the arena, you know, you've been around here. We play hockey one night. Tomorrow we might have a concert where we have eight, nine thousand people. The next day we might play hockey again. Maybe the next night we've got a, a, a WVU uh, or a high school basketball game. Mm -hmm. uh, so conversions are a big thing, and I'm I'm just so proud of the people, both the ones that still work here now and those that have uh, moved on or passed on. I've had a number of those. Uh, they're part of my life and they're part of my family, and so I guess that's the reason it's I've never wanted to walk away. So another thing I feel like I get from the Magruders is I stay busy all the time. Like I have to always be working on something. If I'm not working, if I slow down, I kind of get, I don't know, I get weird. <laughs> if I slow down, are you afraid to slow down now that you're kind of calling it? Uh, that's a great question, Aaron. I, <laughs> I don't think I'm afraid to slow down. I, I, I think, you know, and I, I've had a, tons of friends over the years who always said to me, you'll know when it's time to yeah. retire. And I, I never truly knew what that meant until the last uh, six, seven months. And then, then you start to think, and then you start to pray a little bit and ask that, hey, can I get some signs? And, and it's time. So I'm ready to slow down. I, I hope I can do that uh, well. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm ready to slow down, but I'm not going to quit. Yeah. That, that I promise you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, one of the first things, I'm, I'm going to be at the Wellness Center uh, trying to get in a little better shape. It, it, the Wellness Center is good for two things. Physical and social, yeah, mental, yeah. mental health. Yeah. So I'm going to do that. Uh, I'm going to do something else. I don't know what it's going to be. I haven't sorted that out yet. Mm -hmm. I need to step away from here next week. Uh, Barb and I, my wife, are going to 
we're going to do a couple week trip just rambling in the country, uh, meeting up with some friends around the country, having dinner, uh, and thinking a lot, thinking about what's the next chapter. It's, it's not going home and sit on the couch. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. You still got, you still got a lot of life left to live. So the next couple of questions I want to ask is just kind of mainly about the last 36 years. Uh, who has been the most interesting person you've ever met while working here at the West Banco Arena? I know you talked a little bit about Vince McMahon and some of the other wrestlers and different artists and everything, but all that, who's been like someone just kind of blew your mind when you got to talk to him? I, I got to tell you, it's, it's difficult to pick out the most interesting. Now, I, I guess uh, the most significant character the, that, that I was blown away about uh, was not here. We were actually on a trip one time to New England. Walked into a, a little country post office in a, in a town of uh, maybe 50 people and ran into an old man uh, by the name of John Coolidge. John Coolidge was President Calvin Coolidge's son. Oh, wow. And, we, and he, was, uh, he, he had grown up as a youngster in the White House. And so Mr. Coolidge uh, took the time to talk to Barb and I for maybe five or ten minutes. And I, and I got to be honest with you, you think about vibes and feeling that was amazing. But here, there's been so many great people. And contrary to what folks think, all the people that have touched me and, and I guess impressed me the most didn't come in the back door. Mm-hmm. Some of them have come in the front door. And so they're patrons and fans and people that we've gotten to know. Uh, there's a number of those folks that always stop to say hello. I, I remember one night, and I, and I don't know the lady's name, and I'll, and I'll refer to her as a little old lady, but right here, right in this <laughs> lobby. I was standing out here one night after a professional skate show, and she said to me, uh, she was shuffling by, and I thought, oh, no, this lady's slowing down. She looked at me and goes, hey, you're Mr. Magruder, aren't you? She was probably in her 80s, and I said, yes, ma'am, I am. And I was prepared to get say, uh, something was wrong, but she said, can I just say thank you? I want to thank you, she says, because I've always watched Dorothy Hamill on TV. I never thought I'd get to see her, and tonight... Tonight, I got to see Dorothy Hamill skate. That's cool. I can't put a price tag on that. Yeah. No. Yeah. You cannot put a price tag on that, no. to know that, to feel that. So those are some of the great people. You know, to, to get to say hello to Elton John. Now, Elton John, just, just a phenomenal guy. You know, he, he performed here for more than two hours. Every song was a hit. Yeah. Uh, just to get to say hello to that kind of guy. Uh, but just so many fascinating people, Aaron. And I never made it... Uh, I never made it a point. I didn't try to meet people. That's mm-hmm. not who I am. Uh, you know, we, you've, you've been here during events. Our, our staff has a code of conduct. Yeah. We don't bother artists or entertainers for autographs, or we don't try to, hey, how you doing, brother? And uh, the director needs to set that example. I, w- I will tell you that, you know, uh, the presidents, uh, a number of presidents have been here. President Bush was here, and his chief of staff come and said to me, uh, it's time for you. Come on back and meet President Bush. And I respectfully declined because I was amongst five or six employees. Mm-hmm. And the rule here is you can't do that. So mm-hmm. the rule applies to me, too. I was working that day. Yeah. Yeah. So the rule applies. So uh, those are people that you say, oh, wow, there's, there's been some great characters here. President Trump was here three times. Two of the three days President Trump was here, I'll tell you something about my staff. I wasn't here. I was away either on business or vacation. And they handled President Trump. So. It, pretty it, impressive. It, yeah, it's it's amazing. Impressive. Again, I, I am blessed with one of the very, very best teams in all of this industry. So over the years, what has been your most proud moment at the arena? And have you had any regrets at all? Like maybe 
A sellout that you didn't think was going to sell out. Uh, what's been? What made you? What's made you really proud? One, one of the proudest moments I got to tell you that I that I guess I look back on is that uh, many many years ago, before I worked here, I worked for the Marshall County Board of Education as their comptroller business manager. I had occasion to work with the West Virginia Department of Highways, and I, I met a young man by the name of Doug Paisley. Yep. Doug Paisley is Brad's dad. I met Doug before quite honestly, before Brad was born. So uh, I, I, I just feel a connection to the Paisley family. So uh, when, when Brad became the great star that he is, uh, his dad called one day and said, hey, look, and I still talk to Doug occasionally. We're, we're friends. We have lunch together once in a while, Doug and I do. But uh, to see Brad return here, when Brad made his very first return, and now I don't know the date right now. It's been a number of years ago. But I just remember when he walked in here to a sold-out crowd, and here's the interesting thing. It was a sold-out crowd uh, where the, the, the Paisley Foundation was the promoter, not, not a touring agent, mm-hmm. but the Paisley Foundation. Every dollar from that show went into the Brad Paisley Foundation, uh, for which he helps people uh, in need, flood victims. Yep. Uh, Wasn't it when he did Mudstock? They called it like Mudstock? Yes. He, he re- yeah, yes. I remember and, that. And, and Brad did that kind of show here. But that night... When he walked back out on the stage for the very first time in this building, I guess that was a moment that was just striking. And and he walked out, and you could see his eyes as he looked at the audience, and he was home. Uh, and, and that was one. Mm-hmm. The, the other night that I remember very distinctly, and you're going to say, well, these are odd nights. These are not nights when there was an Elvis Presley-type mm-hmm. character here. But we had a football team here mm-hmm. called at that time the High Valley Greyhounds, an indoor football team. And the owner of that team was a very, very dear friend by the name of George Kellis, a media guy. George was a media guy that had his own radio station. He had been a TV personality. He had done a number of things, but more than anything, he was a very, very dear friend. And I'll never forget, we played for the indoor national championship against a team from Salt Lake City, Utah. And it was broadcast on ESPN, uh, maybe two. Uh, but that night, we had a sellout crowd. Uh, we had one of the largest standing room crowds we ever had. We had another 1,200 people. Uh, it, was, it was dangerously on the edge of overcrowded. But we had another 1,200 people that bought uh, standing room tickets. Uh, the, the kickoff was at 7.30 because of knowing the crowd and everything, we opened doors at 6. And by 6.30, the decibel level here just became outrageous because they were, they were already cheering. It continued until 10.15 that night. And the Ohio Valley Greyhounds won the national championship. Uh, actually, the game went down to the last play. We were leading by two points, so uh, the other team had a chance uh, in the very last drive if they could have got into range and kicked the field goal. But I just remember the electricity mm-hmm. from 6 o'clock, 6.30, until 10.30. And then in the weeks to follow, I had people here in Wheeling Island across the river say, oh, my God, what was going on over there last Saturday night? <laughs> I, but I just remember, George was such a dear friend. It was so exciting. Uh, my dream is, and, and I guess maybe that's one of the regret things, is that the Wheeling Nailers, a team that I dearly love too, a hockey team, uh, I haven't been able to witness that total championship yet. Mm-hmm. During, during my years here, they've won some division and conference championships, but we haven't won the big one. So That's the Kelly Cup. I, I'm hoping that even after I leave here, uh, 
they would welcome me back to watch a game when we're playing for the national title. Yeah, so. that would be awesome. I just saw you guys brought back Louis DeMont, and I, I have a, a memory with that. I remember I was probably 11, 12 years old back when Louis DeMont played here for the Nailers early on. I got to skate with him, and he gave me one of his sticks. I he, still have it at the house. As you know, Louis was a young professional and a, and a gentleman. Yeah. And that's the other thing. We've seen so many great young people come here, many of them who never heard of Wheeling, West Virginia. No. And today... Uh, their hockey careers ended. They didn't get to the NHL, but they went to the next step in life. They got married. They have kids. Yep. There's there's a number of people around Wheeling that found this place and l- fell in love with it, and this is where they live now. And yep. I think wow. that's that's the ultimate testimony yep. to this community. Absolutely. Well, and didn't we hear that Nailers have put the most players in the NHL too? I think they're, they're, they they have put players. more. They, they are the leading Double A team in America. That's they nice. put more players in the NHL than any other double-A team in the history of hockey in America. That's we're, cool. We're proud of that. Yeah, that's very cool. So we, before we wrap up and we move on to our sponsored section of the night, uh, 36 years of memorabilia you've been collecting. What's your favorite piece? Do you have, do you have a favorite piece that you've had over the years? I, I can't tell you I do. I, again, that's never been extremely important to me. Mm-hmm. No. I've collected it. You've been out of my office. There's a wall yeah. full of stuff. Uh I don't know what I'm going to do with all of it as I, as, as I depart. They all have little special meanings. Yeah. I guess if I if I look at a at a piece, it's something that means more to me than anything. It's something that I was lucky enough to get about a year and a half ago. I, I got the uh, the Charles McElravey Award from the industry, Absolutely. and for me, that's 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 the it's a it's a singular award uh, that they give once a year to one person in the International Association. And I don't know how it found its way to me, <laughs> but I would just tell you that that coming from your peers and, yeah. and, and, and my peers come from all across not only America, but Canada, Mexico and the world. Uh, because of this business, I've had the chance to uh, do seminars and teach in Australia. It's, it's just been a, a life changing experience and a wonderful one. And that's. I've had a great ride here. Let's just put it that way. A truly great ride. Oh, and I, and I got to thank you for everything. Like I said, you're the reason I do this. That, that Kiss show in 1997, walking through these doors, it changed me. It just changed my musical taste. Like it just, it put something in me and I've always chased that since that day. And uh, I really do appreciate it. Well, you flatter me to think that I've had some, <laughs> some, something. <laughs> I don't I think, I think I knew who you were on our, the first night we met. Like it was like, hi, I'm Aaron. Let me tell you about my uncle. Well, <laughs> I gotta show you That's this. That's how impressionable so, you were. We were going through some old boxes, and this is, has to be from 92, 93. It's back mm-hmm. from the Thunderbirds. <laughs> so, the cover, I don't know if you guys could see this on the camera. It was probably when I was in computer club in middle school, and it says, "My or the Civic Center and My Uncle Denny by Aaron Schreiber. And no kidding. And it's a short report. <laughs> it very, it's a very short report. So, it does say, it says, This is a short report on my uncle in the Civic Center. First, I would like to talk about my uncle Denny. He lives in Wheeling, West Virginia. He manages the Wheeling Civic Center. It's almost the same as the Rosemont Horizon. My Aunt Barb said that my uncle is 46 going on 16. <laughs> His wife, Barb, is real nice, too. She works at Ticketmaster for Wheeling. Second, I will talk about the Wheeling Civic Center. It seats about 5,600 for hockey games and about 9,000 for concerts. My uncle bought a really cool, neat, really cool, a really neat hockey team there named the Thunderbirds. The Civic Center is famous in West Virginia. So now I told you about a really neat uncle and an awesome stadium. Well, thank you. That, that is extremely flattering. Thank you. But that was from probably 92, 93, 94 years old when I was in computer class. Uh, oh, so well, it, you, goes, it dates back. You did a good job. I, tell you, I, I love the artwork you did. I don't know who's on Those the cover. classic clip art. <laughs> but it's just something I've always had, so I really appreciate this. 
This episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or an existing broadcaster looking to take your interviews and podcast episodes to the next level, you're going to want to check out Poddex. Visit poddex.com to get your Poddex today. So we'll move on to our Powered by Poddex section. Earlier tonight, we pulled a couple cards. The first one is if you can vacation for a week in any historical time period. So go back to any historical time period. Where would it be? What period would you go back to vacation in? Probably the pre-revolutionary uh, early America when the when the settlers first came here. Uh, I, I've always been interested in that. Uh, we, we love to visit. And, and often I can't tell you how many times just to escape for a day or two. Barb and I have gone to Williamsburg. And we go to, we've been to Williamsburg in the winter when it's, it's virtually at its most closed time. It never closes yeah. entirely, but many of the things shut down. And I can't tell you, Aaron, there's probably been a half a dozen nights at 10 o'clock at night, 10 degrees and maybe snowing outside. The two of us would just stroll through Williamsburg and, and be the only sounds and listen and think and, and wonder how it was like to be our forefathers in that day. Mm-hmm. So I've always been intrigued by that, to be honest with you. That was like me. I always talk about, uh, so I, I dated the Schreiber family back and we, we had a different last name spelling and they changed it to Philadelphia Port. So I've always wanted to go back to the Philadelphia Port and just stand there and be like, this is where just, our, our name was actually spelt different. Just take a couple minutes, close your eyes and, and let the mind wander. Yeah. 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 And that's sometimes all you have to do. So when I was pulling cards, I pulled this one up and, uh, you kind of, we kind of touched base on this with the Marilyn Manson stuff, but during your career, how did you handle criticism? Well, I'm not sure I always handled it well. Uh, you know, one thing I learned early on, your mouth can get you into a lot of trouble. Yep. Uh, I, I've been on the hot seat a, a few times uh, because I said things that I shouldn't have said. Uh, they weren't necessarily wrong. They just shouldn't have been said uh, in the manner they were said or how they were said. So, you know, I'm probably not the greatest handler of criticism, uh, but you have, to, you have to learn with this job, uh, with any job, where you're in the public and you're dealing with folks, people are entitled to, entitled to have different opinions than you do. And you got to listen to that. And I think, if anything, that's a lesson maybe I've most learned in 36 and a half years is how to listen just a little more and how to be respectful of those people who disagree with me. <laughs> uh, sometimes it's been difficult for my family because sometimes it gets personal. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's been more difficult for them than me because – you kind of get hardened to it. But I got to tell you something, Aaron. I'm, I'm one of the luckiest guys in the world. I haven't, I've had far, far, far more supporters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I don't know that I deserve that, but I've had that than I've had criticizers. Wouldn't they push you to go for mirror wheeling at one point? Uh, no, they, they, they're, 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 trust me, they, they don't want me to be the man. <laughs> Uh, All right, so we, since we're called Melodies and Memories, we have a segment where we play five or six seconds of a song, and the yep. first memory you have with that song, okay, just we'll talk about it. Let me go ahead and pull this up. Go ahead and play the yellow one first. Jungle, the mighty jungle, the lion sleeps it, ta- it takes me back to my early teenage years, uh, and, and here's the irony. This is, this is tremendous irony. Uh, one of the, you know, since we've taken over the Capitol Theater, one of my dreams was always because my, my genre was doo-wop, yeah. was to see doo-wop music. And I met a wonderful guy uh, 12 years ago who's into that, a, a now a very, very dear friend, Charlie Pappas. Yeah. Uh, Charlie produces some doo-wop shows. And, and three weeks from tomorrow, 
that very song by that very same artist will be sung on the stage live at the Capitol Theater. Oh, How the, cool. The doo-wop show coming up. That's awesome. We have Jay and the Americans, and we have the Tokens. Yeah. Jay Siegel's Tokens, who recorded that song. So that's a, that's a fabulous memory. I very love cool. that. All right, go ahead and do the green one. Everly Brothers. Dream, dream, dream. Uh, Everly Brothers, again, back, back to the teenage days when, when you're dreaming about, hey, everything that can possibly happen. In those days, I was dreaming about being a baseball player, and I, and I used to listen to that. But uh, the Everly's are probably two of the best musicians. Uh, you know, they've got that, that blend that I've ever listened to. And so uh, I guess one of my regrets, I've never, I never, I I will never get to do that now, but I've never seen the the Everly Brothers live. Uh, Mm -hmm. But but yeah, that's a great group. Uh, Again, take me back to my teenage days, (laughs) delivering newspapers and uh, playing baseball. Those forty (laughs) fives. My mom used to say, "You got all right." Do the yellow one. We had to throw this one in. This is a guaranteed one. Oh wow! (laughs) Country roads. When you hear country roads, a a dynamite song. Let's be honest. That's that's the anthem of West Virginia. We all adore that song. But again, uh, one of the great nights in this building was John Denver, and John Denver did an acoustic show on a center stage, a center revolving stage, with a piano and five guitars, and it was one of the most phenomenal shows. Now, unfortunately, that night there were probably less than four thousand people. That's a good crowd. Four thousand is a decent crowd. Don't get me wrong. But it wasn't sold out. But in thinking back, it's one of the three greatest concerts I've watched in my life. That is I bet that was awesome. incredible. Yeah. Oh, Stripped man. down, I acoustic. Would, so yeah. John Denver was incredible. Yeah. And then the that was awesome. green one for the last one. <laughs> you you I know studied. That I studied. <laughs> you, you did your homework. I studied. Uh, Lost that, that love and feeling when you hear that's that. That's the first song Aunt Barb and I ever danced to. <laughs> and now we're. Uh, 55 years of marriage, so that's pretty inspirational. That's incredible. We, we have, uh, we've seen, uh, luckily, we've seen the Righteous Brothers several times. Nice. Phenomenal. We've, uh, since, since uh, Bobby died, we've actually seen uh, uh, Bill Medley several times with his tribute uh, show. But that, that's a very special song. And even uh, when your Uncle Rob, or when your cousin Rob got married, right here, the reception was here. The band played You've Lost That Love and Feeling. And uh, it's ironic, though, that Uncle Rob and Aunt Tammy's, or Cousin Rob and, yeah. and Cousin Tammy's, for you, their uh, anniversary date's the same date, day, as Barb and I. It's December 9th. Oh, uh, I didn't realize that. Is, that's awesome. Theirs was several years after ours. <laughs> sure, but, sure. But both were on December 9th. But that's been a very, that. very special song yeah. for, for Barb and I both. Uh, very first song we ever danced to. Yeah, we had asked Anne Barbara for a song, so <laughs> that one came up. So we have to do this with all of our guests. You said you've been on the hot seat a couple of times, so we're going to put you on the hot seat one mm-hmm. more time. Um, I got 10 quick questions. First right. thing that comes to your mind, the first vinyl record that you think you've ever purchased. Do you remember the first The first vinyl, vinyl record? Uh, yeah, probably Secondhand Love by Connie Francis. All right. If you had an endless supply of something, what would you want? Mm, an endless supply. Probably chocolate eclairs. <laughs> yes, I love that. <laughs> so this is going to be a little controversial, but who has the best pizza? <laughs> uh, the best pizza that I can get on a daily basis. So you is travel a lot, a, so you've a, been around. A company by the name, a, a pizza shop by the name of Fiori's, up in just out of out of Pittsburgh. Fiori's okay. Pizza 
Right now, it's my favorite, but I I, I love wood fired pizzas and there's this nice, wood fire. Nice, nice. I, I still gotta go to the Carlos for the <laughs> for the win. The Carlos was good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, what's the furthest you've ever traveled by car? The furthest I've ever traveled by car, uh, distance wise, probably Portland, Oregon. We drove to Portland. Uh, one trip wise, I had the vacation of a lifetime last September when Barb and I did Route 66. We started nice. in. We actually drove to your hometown of Chicago, and the very next morning uh, started a 7,800-mile journey doing all of Route 66 and then wandering back across the the southwest and through Texas and and, and back home. I bet that was beautiful. I love driving. Oh, I love that. The worst day job you've ever had. The worst? The worst day job you've ever had. The worst day job. (laughs) Let me think of that. That's tough because I'll be honest with you, I've... I've You've had, always loved all your jobs, huh? I, I honestly have. Each one's been progressive and, and been wonderful. And and the people. I I can't think of a worse day job. And I and I, and I mean that. I'm not just making that up. I, I can't think of that. I love that. that. That's a good one. What's one thing people buy that you think is a waste of money? Oh, hell, there's a lot of things they buy. It's a waste of money. <laughs> but uh, this is the biggest one. Bottle yeah. water. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, what's a chore that you dislike doing? A chore you dislike doing? A tour? A chore? Chore. A like, chore? Yeah, like a house chore. Or something. Oh, if I see it as a chore, I don't, I don't like it to begin with. But uh, <laughs> you know, I, I guess what's crazy? You're gonna laugh at me. I like to cut grass. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't have a very big yard, so I can really <laughs> like that. So I, I do, I, I do enjoy cutting grass. What's your favorite microwavable food? Uh, probably kettle. Popcorn. Yes. Kettle, kettle corn popcorn. That was our guess. We were yeah. guessing. We're like, he's going to go popcorn. If you could leave three things in a time capsule right now for somebody 50 years from now, what would those three items be? What are the three things? Uh... <laughs> that, that's a good one. You know, that, that, that is a really good one because I don't know what, uh, I, the way the world changes now, I don't know what I want to leave. I guess, obviously, probably a, cop, a copy of today's newspaper. I don't mm-hmm. know what it'll say. But it would it would stop the world in time at that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a picture uh, with my grandkids. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else would there be? Have to throw Mimi Nailers hat in there. <laughs> you, you know, in, in all honesty, uh, the, the Wheeling Nailers have been a serious part of my life. That probably would be a good idea. It's been uh, a, a Wheeling Nailers, or or maybe my uh, Roberto Clemente autographed baseball. Yeah. Ooh, I don't know. That was a good one. People might be digging that up a lot sooner than fifty years. <laughs> That's a problem. Yeah. What's something you've got to do? A lot of cool things. Got to see a lot of cool things. Travel everywhere. Got to meet a lot of cool people. What's something that's still on your bucket list? Something that you still want to do? I still got a few things on my bucket list. You know, Aaron, I've never been to Europe. Maybe I'm too old. Uh, I, well, I'm probably not too old, but I still want to get to Europe on, on my terms. I don't know. It's not something I got planned here in the, in the immediate future, but I certainly want to do that. Uh, I, I want to drive across America again. Yeah. I, I want to do a, a lot of road trips. Uh, uh, I want to go watch my grandkids. I can, I want to continue to watch them play sports. I've gotten to do that, and and when you talk about escapes, you know when you have those tough days, when you have those days that make you stop and think, uh, when you go watch a volleyball game and see your granddaughter, or you go watch a 
uh, a football game. Uh, yeah, and they play so many different things. They're into baseball, <laughs> softball, cheering, volleyball, I'm soccer. Say, you're not going to slow down too much. But it, it does. <laughs> I mean, I right now. I mean, I, I my grandson Luke plays. Uh, he's a freshman starting on the Central soccer team. My granddaughter Olivia plays volleyball for Willing Central. They got a they got a great team. Maybe maybe they'll win the state. Who knows? Uh, they're, they're playing high school sports, and I got my other three. Jennifer's three are all playing multiple sports. Uh, I, I just enjoy that so yeah. I, I do, and not because they're necessarily the greatest players. They're not the greatest players on the athletic field. They're pretty good. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm pretty. Yeah. I'm proud of that. But what I love, I think they're all pretty compassionate. They're yep. all they're all team players, and that makes me the proudest. You know? I love that. That's amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. And now you get to spend more time. More time doing, doing that. Doing that. Yeah, I love that. Well, my grandson thinks that he and I are going to be bicycling down here on the waterfront. So. <laughs> You know what? Come back next year at this time, and that you might see me bicycling down the waterfront. <laughs> there you go. Well, we want to thank you so much for taking an hour. I know you are still working to the last very minute of your retirement. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for taking an hour out of today and sitting down with us because I didn't even know it was an hour. It went by so quick. Yeah. But we really appreciate being able to sit down, talk to you today, and just learn a little bit about your career here. Well, Aaron, I, I want to thank you and Jillian because I've, I've learned a lot of about you guys and what you do today so <laughs> i appreciate that and i'm proud of you too appreciate so. that appreciate that because that means you. a lot to me well everybody thank you for joining us today for episode 142 with danny magruder we want to wish him the very best in his retirement and thank him for the memories that have been installed in me within these walls the countless tours i i have seen here meeting kenny rogers while i was wearing a pantera t-shirt like i said the nasty boys scaring my mom playing hockey with louis demont and so so much more Thank you for everything you did to the city of Wheeling, the vibrant, being, making it so vibrant over the last four decades. So don't forget to catch up on everything you guys missed tonight and past episodes over at melodiesandmemories.com. And we'll see you guys Monday night with a brand new show. Thank you guys for tuning in. The Melodies and Memories podcast with Jillian and Aaron Shriver, brought to you by Arlo Revolution. As we close the book on another chapter, remember... Music gives us soul to the universe, wings to the mind, flight to the imagination, and life to everything. Next week, Julian and Aaron connect more melodies and memories with the fans and artists they love. Thank you for being a part of this musical journey, and we will see you next time on the Melodies and Memories Podcast with Julian and Aaron Schreiber.